Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night. John Katsimatidis here, the number one show at 5 o'clock. And people listen from far and wide. And uh, we have a full studio today. I mean, everybody. We have, uh, we have governors. We have senators, borough presidents, judges, a little bit of everything. Uh, we have Judge uh, Richard Weinberg, uh, a common sense Democrat. We have a common sense Republican, the borough president of Staten Island, Vito Fasella. Uh, Senator Alphonse D'Amato, once in a while he yells, but he's a good guy. One of the smartest guys we know. And Governor David Patterson. Welcome, yeah. Governor. Thank you, John. And sitting next to me, we have Ed Cox, a uh, 10-year GOP chair. And he was, were you the first son or the second son? Uh, <laughs> son-in-law. Son-in-law. Son-in-law to uh, Trisha Nixon, President Nixon's uh, uh, daughter, and uh, and one again knows the world, knows the entire world, and uh, Lydia Serrani. I don't know. Sometimes she objects to being a sidekick, and sometimes she, <laughs> Thank you. you know, she uh, the one and only. Yeah, one and only. You know, John, um, so we change back our clocks on Sunday, but we have only a few days left, and we can change back our country as well. So we got we a got, huge election coming well, up. today's Thursday. We got Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. We got four days to the election. And we're here to make a difference. Is that what we're doing? Let's hope we can make a difference and get people to wake up because this state uh, is in trouble. We're in trouble economically. We're in trouble as it relates to crime. Uh, you have the recent killing that took place up in Buffalo where the judge did not have the ability to hold this person because we're the only state in, in the country. In case people don't know, tell, tell our audience what happened to that poor woman. 45-year-old Adam Bemingfield, he beat his wife so badly and it was caught on Facebook video. Despite having that evidence... He was arraigned in court on October 4th. She was so afraid of him. She went out and bought his uh, wife at the time, Kiara Benningfield, was so afraid of him. She went out and got a bulletproof vest. Soon as he got out of court, he ambushed her on the road. She was driving one of her children to school. So three of her kids were in the car. He ran her off the road and he shot her execution style. Well, let me say and this is head. it. In the head. And this in is a guy, head. by the so way. What good did the bulletproof vest do? Exactly. And this is a guy who also had kidnapped an ex of his. So he wasn't some innocent guy who had no had a clean rap sheet. Yep. So Judge Weinberg, explain to me how this guy could beat his wife. There's evidence. There's also prior bad acts. He kidnapped an ex. And yet just 24 hours later, he was allowed out to be free so he could shoot his wife in the head in front of her three children. Let's start with the basics. They passed the law back in 2019. That law is signed by... Uh, Governor Cuomo was passed by the Democratic legislature. It's a so-called cashless bail, no bail law. There's a whole list of crimes you can't hold somebody in on bail, even with respect to those that we can hold them on bail. But even a violent one where there's clear-cut proof? No, it depends what the charge is, what the DA is, is charging with. So if it wasn't charged as one of the Supreme most violent felonies, they were not able to do that. Even with that, they have to use the least drastic means to make sure that he comes back and show... Guys, we're going to continue with this conversation. We're going to continue with this conversation. But we have the senior, senior senator uh, from the state of Florida. We have Senator Rick Scott. uh, And uh, Rick Scott is mad as heck. uh, He is being misquoted uh, 
for the whole country. He's going to set uh, the record straight. Senator, can we set the record straight? Biden's a liar, all right, number one. Number two is I would never, ever propose anything to reduce Medicare Social Security benefits. And guess what? I don't know one Republican that would, but I do know a well-known Democrat that would, and his name is Joe Biden because he proposed it when he was in the Senate. And actually, I know every Democrat senator and every Democrat in the House voted this year, less than two months ago, to cut $280 billion out of Medicare, which is going to stop life-saving drugs for your mom and your grandmother. And guess what? Joe Biden, between the time he was vice president and president, the money he made, he put into a sub-ass and used a loophole that was not intended to not pay Medicare taxes. So this Biden is a complete hypocrite and liar. Senator Scott, that's all the headlines. That's what all the Democrats are jumping on. They said, Senator Scott wants to get rid of your Medicare. That's what the Republicans want to do. They want to get rid of Social Security. And you're saying that is a lie, correct? It's a lie. This, look, they do this every cycle. Senator, isn't the real issue? Because they caused it. They can't talk about crime because they caused it. They can't talk about the open border because they caused it. They can't talk, they can't talk about the Afghan withdrawal because they caused it. They can't talk about woke military because they caused it. So... Oh, let's do the exact same thing. Republicans, those darn Republicans, they want to do something that, oh, Democrats actually did. They just did two months ago. They cut Medicare by $280 billion. Senator Ed Cox here. You're in charge of reelecting and electing our senators. Isn't that right? That's your job as chairman of the committee? Yep. And uh, I've got to tell you, the inflation, isn't that the big issue that people are worried about, about the cost and they have to pay for just basics I mean, it's, of it's, living. It's, yeah, it's in, it's, in, it's 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 crazy what the Democrats have done with regard to stopping fossil fuel, which has caused this unbelievable, uh, you know, inflation and this ridiculous spending that they're doing. And but the other thing that they've done, they want to reimagine or defund the police. They don't they cashless bail, and then guess what happens? We get more crime. So the two things that are going to make sure Republicans get win this year is the inflation that's not going away and the crime that's not going away. And Joe Biden and the Democrats caused both of them. Uh, uh, Senator, this is Vito Fasella. Thanks. I mean, put your crystal ball on, as, as Ed Cox just mentioned. You're the guy who's going to make the predictions for Tuesday night. Do you have a sense of how many Republican senators will be serving in the U.S. Senate come January 2023? 52-plus. We're going to win We're going to win. And what do you think are going to be the one or two closest Senate races in, in the country? Yeah, we're going to, we're going, we're, we've got chances to win. In Washington, Tiffany Smiley is doing unbelievably. Blake Master in Arizona, Adam Laxalt in Nevada, um, Herschel Walker, and even Joe Day in Colorado and Leora Levy in Connecticut. They have built up. We have a chance to beat seven of them. Now, it doesn't mean we will beat all of them, but I know we're, I'm almost positive we're going to beat two of them and i think we're going to beat more than that because americans are fed up with joe biden and the democrats lies inflation crime wave senator scott i'm looking at whitehouse.gov and this is what it's it's written there florida's republican senator and chair of the national republican senatorial committee rick scott has championed a plan to put medicare medicaid and social security on the chopping block every five years 
How can they just say some outright lie like this? Where are they getting this nonsense from? Because they're Democrats. So here's what I said. I put out a plan. You can go to rescueamerica.com and read it. Okay. Here's what I said. One, we ought to make sure we tell Americans every year what we're going to do to preserve Medicare and Social Security. Number two, let's look at our programs and, and let's review them every five years. Guess what? We review our military budget every year. Does that mean we're trying to get rid of the military? No. Does that mean when, we, when we're supposed to pass a budget, which the Democrats don't do, that we want to get rid of the entire federal government? No. What it says is that we shouldn't. We should look at all of our programs and improve them every year. And I've been clear. I am here to preserve Medicare and, and Social Security. Guess what the Democrats are doing? They cut Medicare just now. And when they, when they basically cause all this inflation, it's hurting our seniors. And when you have, when you have to have, which is necessary, an 8.7% increase in Social Security checks, guess what's going to happen to the viability of Social Security? Well, it's, going to be, it's going to go bankrupt sooner. Yeah. So that's what the Democrats are doing. But they're complete liars. Senator, this is Al D'Amato, former senator from New York. Let, hey, let me say this to you. Get that message out. He got it out on WABC. You have to work your tail off now in correcting the record the way you just did tonight. That's right. Do that. That's important. We'll, we'll continue to do it. Senator D'Amato will remember 1980, and the big issue was the same back then as it is now. Inflation. In fact, stagflation then, stagflation now. And what did they bring out? They brought out that Ronald Reagan was against Social Security or something like that, and it didn't count at all because people were concerned about inflation. That was it. They are concerned about the economy. They can't make it today. The food costs are going crazy. Working middle-class families are struggling. Let's stay on that. You correct the record on this other false charge. And to Senator Scott's point, Governor Hochul right here in New York, she just had a rally yesterday where she said that the Republicans want to take the right to vote away from women and people of color. So there are so many lies being spewed and that Zeldin wants to overturn abortion, which he has clearly said he is not going to touch. So to your point, Senator Scott, it must be extremely frustrating to hear all of these lies and the fact that the White House itself perpetuates it people believe it that's the that's the crazy part well look they the democrats know they're losing to the point that they can't get their votes out because why would you vote for a democrat you're gonna vote for a democrat because you like high inflation high crime open borders a woke military no so that's what so what they're going to do is they're going to talk about something different they'll talk about abortion and make lies there or they'll talk about democracy or social security all lies, and the public's smarter than that. Senator, it's, uh, it's Richard Weinberg, sir. Did you happen to see President Biden's speech last night? I, I read about it. I didn't, I didn't see it. He, you know, what did you think about that? It's pretty boring. And here's most, he, he, <laughs> That's well, the worst boring. sin in politics, <laughs> well, to be boring. But, but I was offended by it because this is someone who took the oath of office as an inaugural address, says he's going to knight the country, and he had one of the most divisive speeches that I've ever seen last night on, on public television paid for by the White House. I can't believe that. And more lies. Senator does all the time. He lies every day. He opens his mouth, he lies. I mean, this is a guy that, that has no idea how to do the job. All right? He's caused all these problems, and he wants to take no responsibility for them. 
Senator Scott, we have to go to our next guest. Can you, just one minute, what do you want to say to all the American people out there? Get out and vote. We have got to change the direction of this country. You know, we're going to we're going to fight for the American family. We're going to fight to make sure we get this inflation down. We're going to fight to make sure your parents can be involved. The parents can be involved in schools. We're going to fight for a secure border. Get out and vote Republican. Senator Rick Scott, thank you for fighting for America. And we'll catch up with you again real soon. All right. Take care. See you all. Bye bye. And now we have Melissa DeRosa on. She is currently writing for who? Who are you writing for? Now, Melissa, I have been writing for the Daily Beast, but the column that ran today was actually in the New York Daily News. And you were the former secretary for Governor Cuomo, who we had on yesterday. And he made quite the headlines because he said Democrats need to call attention to the issue of crime. It's similar to what you've been saying as well. Yes. Funny that he and I share that opinion. (laughs) Just a coincidence. (laughs) Um, but I'm, but no, I mean, look, I think that obviously crime has been a top issue in the city. It's been a top issue in the state. It's a top issue playing out nationally. And I think that part of the reason that you've seen Republican gain, Republicans um, both here at home and, and nationally gain ground in these last couple of weeks is because they've been sort of channeling voters' frustration successfully, while, whereas Democrats have not been able to connect on the issue and I think have sort of been afraid to confront it head on. And Governor Patterson, I know you had a question for Melissa DeRosa. Melissa, in your article, you also talked about the outside consultants who are 500 miles outside because they're from Washington, D.C., and how they've hurt the campaign of the governor and the other contributing factors to why the polls have tightened as they have. Yes. So I don't know if, you know, for your listeners, I have a column today out in the Daily News where I talk about sort of how it is that Governor Hochul has found herself in the predicament that she's in, which is polling in the single digits in a number of polls under 50 percent, you know, within five days of the election. And to what Governor Patterson just said, I do think, and I opined on this in my piece, that one of the issues is that it it sounds to me like much of the campaign was sort of farmed out to D.C. consultants. And I think that a lot of people in in the Washington world who've been running these campaigns and not well, frankly, across the country is that they thought the best way to do this was to go after two things, abortion and Donald Trump. And I actually wrote back in May in a column that I did when the Dobbs decision first leaked that I cautioned to the Democratic Party with jumping on abortion, not because they shouldn't from a policy perspective. I mean, it's outrageous what the court did in reversing all of those years of precedent. But in terms of when you have an economy with inflation the way that it is and gas prices what they are, combined with rising crime, the the issue that I think um, very obviously connects more with voters in terms of urgency, in terms of their pocketbook, in terms of their day-to-day lives, is, is not abortion. I think abortion is a values issue that many Democratic voters are out as are rightly and independent voters rightly outraged by. But I think when it comes down to making decisions for who you're electing, you're going to do it on the issues you feel most urgently impacting your family. And it's interesting, Melissa, because at the beginning of this year, crime was not on the top five issues that voters thought were important. It's developed that way this year because of some horrific crimes that you actually see on you see them on television now. You don't read about it in the newspaper. You actually see people being thrown on the tracks and that can scare 
19 million people, and that's what's happened. And to your point, Governor Patterson, just uh, a short time ago, police announced that a homeless man with 25 prior arrests, he was busted in a rape of a New York City jogger that just happened this morning. This guy had several sexual assaults under his belt. So New Yorkers are afraid. I know Melissa DeRosa, the last time we spoke, it's this kind of randomness. One of your friends was punched in the faces. This woman was out jogging in the morning when she was attacked. And once again, it was by a repeat offender. And yet you have Governor Kathy Hochul saying that Republicans are simply master manipulators and that crime is all well, this whole issue about crime is just a conspiracy. What do you think about that? You know, I think that Melissa, hold on a second, because this is on all fours with the case in Buffalo. Where, where you had somebody who was convicted, uh, a felon before, who was beaten his wife, who was pl- pleading for her life, and the judge didn't have the ability to hold her under our law. Now, what the hell are we waiting for? The governor should bring the legislature, or should have brought them in, change that. We've been talking about this for months and months and months. She keeps they saying can, about statistics. The statistics are there in the dead bodies and the people they're piling up. The cars. They're piling up in the city and the state of New York. It's not just New York City, Senator. No. It's throughout the state. And the mother of that victim, by the way, in Buffalo, she says Kathy Hochul has blood on her hands. She says she should also be charged, charged for the crime. Melissa DeRosa, what do you think about these two latest incidents? So, I mean, I, I obviously I tweeted about the incident in the West Village after I saw it. It's, it's you know, it's it's so outrageous um, that, you know, I actually used to live on 9th Street University. I would run every morning between yep. 5 and 6 a.m. in the West Village. So reading about somebody out for a jog getting attacked and raped like that is just soul crushing and is your worst nightmare. I remember as a woman doing that run every morning, that was always my biggest fear because the streets are sort of desolate. But. I think to Governor Patterson's point, one of the biggest things is it's no longer something that you read about because of social media. You see people getting pushed onto subway tracks. You see a lot of these horrific crimes. And I do think that the governor and the legislature attempted to address some of the issues with bail reform in this last um, budget cycle. And I think that what we're hearing over and over again from New Yorkers is that it didn't go far enough. Excuse me, that's that's nonsense. Your statement there... That they're doing something. They haven't done a damn thing. And she hasn't. She hasn't called them in to say, let's change this, uh, this, Senator, this bail. If she, and if she, let's give, but Senator. And, and let's give the judges the ability to make a decision where they think somebody is a danger to the community. But what Senator, the if, hell she, has she if she done? If she had called them in, Senator, yeah. what would they have done in the last two months? They wouldn't have done anything. Why? Let her fight for it. Let the people see she's fighting for it. But to just stand by and say, oh, well, yeah, you know, you're making a lot about crime. That's bullshit. This is taking place. (laughs) You just talked about people getting killed. You just talked about people getting raped. This is real. What did you say, Senator? All right. Let let the record be clear. I stand with Senator D'Amato on this. She should have called the legislature back. All due respect to my good friend, Governor Patterson, she should have called the legislature back. If you had been governor, you would have called him back. You would have put him in the room, and you would have fought for a change to protect the public. Well, I, I, I agree with those sentiments. I'm curious, uh, Melissa, Borough Vito Pacella. Uh, in your opinion, that what was the political calculus for not calling the legislature back? 
That's into a good session. question. That's a great. You know, look, I think that, and and, and Senator, with all due respect, I, I am factually correct that they did make adjustments to bail in the last budget. What I said was I think that what people are responding to is that they didn't feel like it went far enough. But it is factually correct that they did make changes in the last budget. Window, so respectfully, I, I'm telling you as a former Supreme Court justice, it's window dressing. If you talk to my colleagues who sit in the criminal parts in criminal court and Supreme Court, they will tell you it's absolute nonsense. Judges cannot hold people in based on dangerousness. That was a failing at the beginning. It's still a failing. It has to be changed, Melissa. Kiara Benningfield would be alive today. That woman that was killed, executed by her husband, if there was... In Buffalo, yeah. if those tweaks were correct, Melissa DeRosa, you have to admit that that case was 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 goaling. I mean, there was video evidence of the way he beat her. There was prior bad acts. And the judge said he had no other choice but to let that guy go. And then less than 24 hours, he shoots her in the head in front of her three kids. Now, just to be fair, I don't understand how if that uh, video evidence was shown at the at the hearing. How that defendant could have gotten out of there? The I know she posted it on Facebook. The victim, it was everywhere. everywhere. No, no, I'm saying that. So I'm curious. I'm, I'm, how it's charged? How, how the write-up is charged? The criminal complaint before the judge. How it is charged? Not what you see on Facebook, but the document that's before the judge. Yeah, and the, the judge makes a decision with what document is in front of him. But that's presented by the prosecutor, and how could the prosecutor not? Demand bail. Oh, that's in a another case like problem, that. Governor, because you have prosecutors out there who are not doing what they are sworn to do, which is protect the public and prosecute the laws. That's the problem. Let's Thanks hear, for bringing that up. Let's hear what Melissa DeRosa has to say about this. Yeah, Melissa's our guest, so let's hear what she said. <laughs> no, I mean, listen, I think that the, the energy and the outrage that you guys are channeling is sort of what's out there right now, not just in New York City, but nationally and across the state. And I think that that's speaking to the larger issue, right? The people of legislators, governors, U.S. senators, everybody works for their constituents, as the senator and the governor know all too well. And when your constituents are communicating to you, we want you to do something about this, and you don't, well, an election is a job interview, so they start to consider other candidates. And I think that that's part of the reason that you've seen the tightening in the polls here in New York and why you have seen nationally Republicans gain a tremendous amount of steam against Democrats in states where this has become a top issue. Melissa DeRosa, how do you think the race will go for governor? Last time you were on, you said Hochul will take it. Do you still think she'll win? And if so, by how many points? You know, look, I think that this is going to come down to ground game. I really do. I think that a lot of the polls I've seen, both privately and public polling, have her, you know, consistently up four or five points, but, you know, at or just below 50 percent. And you've got a lot of people in that room who ran a lot of races, both themselves and with other people. And we all know that if you're an incumbent and you're five days before the election day and you're not clearly above 50, you're not sleeping well at night. And so I think at this point, Zeldin has had the momentum. You know, the only poll we saw this week was Emerson, which sort of showed that that stalled out. But you don't know with margin of error if that's true or not. And so I think that this is going to come down to ground game. It's going to come down to whether or not African-American voters show up in New York City and vote Democratic. I think that you're going to see Long Island go Republican. I think Nassau is going to go Republican as well as Suffolk. And from what I hear, Suffolk's going to go resoundingly Republican. And then the question is, can Kathy Hochul, as an upstate lawmaker, hold the people in her in her backyard for her and sort of keep Zeldin's performance in check? Because he's going to win upstate. The question is, by how much in order to get over the top? So 
I still think Hope will hold on. I think it's going to be, you know, anywhere between five and four points. That's my estimation at this point. But it really is going to come down to a ground game. That's mine, too. But it's really going to be an issue of turnout. And the the passion uh, sort of favors a higher t- turnout in Suffolk and upstate as opposed to the city, which usually turns out monumental. And a lot of that will be determined by the congressional races because they are very competitive throughout the Isle- Long Island and up the Hudson Valley and into western New York. Not all the way to western New York, but those races are going to be huge get-out-the-votes on both sides. And whoever in each of those races gets out the vote best, that will also have a and bearer on the governor's race. And I live in very blue Westchester County, and I am seeing Zeldin signs all over the place. I'm even seeing homemade Zeldin signs. Melissa DeRosa, do you sense that groundswell for Zeldin? I feel like he's got that energy, but Hochul, I don't think there's anybody out there that says, oh, I love me some Hochul. (laughs) You know, it's funny when you say Westchester's deep blue. It's true. It's been blue lately. But as we all remember, Rob Astorino was county executive in Westchester not that long ago. And so I sort of look at Westchester like Nassau, and I think that Westchester could potentially, you know, go Republican or be very close, you know, 52-48 sort of territory Mm. in a year like this. I think you should get hazard duty pay um, because we've hit you with every question possible, and you have been terrific. She's brilliant. She's amazing. I would like to go back to that <laughs> reason because there's been a lot of passion coming out of the studio, and rightfully so. But I'd like to ask Melissa, for the people listening, you know, why, why was the governor, despite all this rage and despite this momentum, to highlight crime as an issue, what was the political calculus for not reconvening the state legislature? I think Senator D'Amato highlighted earlier, it's okay if she was losing because at least she would be on the side of voicing the, the profile of the people that, uh, of this state. So I'm curious. No, you know, listen, I think that when, when, when I worked for Governor Cuomo, it's when you, it's sort of your job as the executive when you're, when you see these problems to both empathize with the people that are upset about them, grab hold of them and do something about it. I think that this issue, for whatever reason, really snuck up on them. And I think that they thought that they're, that they could run out the clock and continue to focus on Trump and focus on abortion and it would be enough to carry the day. And I think that it, it really snuck up on them when all of a sudden these poll numbers were changing as rapidly as they were. And I do think that she's made an attempt, you know, with Mayor Adams to go down into the subway and announce their plan to increase police presence on the subway well, and do things there. So I think that she is trying. The I had is- I had lunch with uh, with uh, Governor Hochul today, and uh, I told her the twelve hundred people that she uh, has put on is not sufficient, and she should have done what Peter Vallone did. And what David Dickens did. I want to hear asked, more about that lunch. And asked the Biden for six six thousand new police officers. Great job, Melissa. Well, we're going to hear more about that lunch you, and, and a lot more. Keep it right here. Thank you so much, Melissa DeRosa. Now, Lou Dobbs. Keep it right here. Cats at night. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. Quite a spirited day, right? We have a lot of energy exciting in this room. Day. A very exciting day. 
So join the 77 WABC and Ramsey Mazza as we honor law enforcement officers across the nation today with special guests and commentary. 77 WABC and Ramsey Mazda back the blows. And we had a big press conference this morning, and, and we had everybody that was in law enforcement there today. Uh, George Venizelos, our former head of the FBI and and, and uh, current head of the Federal Law Enforcement uh, Foundation, uh, emceed it, and uh, we had ATF there, we had DEA there, uh, we had uh, all the uh, Sheriff Toulon from Suffolk County and and uh, uh, and Nassau County. Uh, and we had DA Tierney from, DA Tierney Tierney from Suffolk County. From Suffolk County, and, and, County and we had all the uh, union officials from uh, from the uh, from all the NYPD union officials. Yeah, for the captains, the sergeants, the and the lieutenants. And, and it was a very exciting thing. But John, we had this woman. You you hit the nail on the head, yes. though, before. When you well, said we, what we need is 6,000 more police. Well, I had lunch with Governor Hochul today. And, and I said to her the fact that uh, she hired the 1,200 or she authorized 1,200 people to work overtime. Hmm. How long are they going to work overtime? And they're scared to arrest anybody. And and I said that that whoever gave that advice, I thought was bad advice. And they should have went back to what David Dinkins did, and what uh, uh, Judge uh, Weinberg, when you were the head uh, 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 with uh, Peter Malone, did in 1989. And you know what they did in 1989? And David and David Patterson was somewhere at that time. They I hired uh, 6,000 new. They hired 6,000 new uh, cops, police officers. And, and what was her response? 6,000 new police officers. I think she realized that uh, we were giving the, the uh, right, uh, you know, I should have been her advisor. So, John, that was what you should Commissioner have been the governor. said at the lunch yesterday. What's interesting is that would have been very interesting to have called a special session over that. That would be harder to walk away from, but for the legislature. Well, well, we know exactly yeah, what but, has to be but, done. No, and by the way, they I have mean, a surplus. They have a huge surplus built into the budget, over ten billion dollars. And twelve hundred. Yeah, it doesn't do anything. Deep, it's listen to yeah, me. Yeah, go ahead. Over ten billion dollars has been built into the budget that she can use at her discretion, and not even the controller can control that. That's incredible. You talk about, and then she's, oh, what can I do? That's what you can do. You know what boggles my mind, John? Yes. Is what came up shortly, a little while ago, when said they, mm-hmm. this issue has caught people mm-hmm. by surprise. And <clears throat> you know as well as anybody, because you've been championing this thing for almost three years, saying that this so-called reform was going to hurt innocent people. So whoever's been surprised by this doesn't belong in office, if you ask me. And in terms of back the blue, we credit you for for standing up. But every day, at least on Staten Island that I'm proud to represent, every day is back the blue day because we support the men and women who wear our uniform, who keep us safe. So we should thank them every single day. Every day. I understand. You're 100% right, Vito. And why was... was uh, assemblyman Hasty or Speaker Hasty uh, calling the mayor's office yelling and screaming he didn't have enough police officers no. in, in his district. Governor Patterson, what say you? 
Well, that's the reason <clears throat> it it just came up today, and I never thought about it before. That would have been a real interesting special session mm-hmm. if that got called, because there's it would be very hard for them to leave Albany without doing something, particularly with the money that Senator Demano described that they had. Who could be against it? So. You know, this is all a lot of nonsense. And let me tell you why they're complaining. Because the polls are getting closer. And let me tell you, this is a dead heat. It can go either way. And if the turnout in some of the minority communities, and it looks like now, they're, they're going to be... That's who's dying. Yes. You know, me, and, and, me and, and, and David Patterson came from Harlem, both of yeah. us. Yeah. And the people of Harlem are the people that are dying. And I was born in Brooklyn. And the people over there are dying also. And let me tell you And the you woman something. that was shot to death in front of her kids, she was an African-American woman, too. The woman, the people yeah. that are being raped there. The the I finish my other story. The woman that spoke to DEA people e- that brought Eve that Hendricks. Woman, Eve Hendricks. Eve Hendricks. Uh, and she spoke in front. She had everybody crying. Sure. I cried. What was the story, And she, said, and she talked about... Uh, her 17-year-old son that was going to go to college next year and was uh, a basketball player. And she, he told his mom, got up in the morning, says, I'm going to go to a barbecue. And his mom didn't hear from him that afternoon. He was a basketball player, right? Yeah. And uh, then at midnight, she finds out that he's in a hospital, but he's going to be okay. Well, when they called him in the hospital, and when they called him in the hospital... He wasn't okay. Ugh. They took him to the. Uh, they took him to uh, the uh, morgue. They took her to the morgue, and you know what the hospital workers told them? Mm. The hospital workers told them, told her, the last words your son say. <laughs> I'm gonna start crying. Oh, well, tell, tell my mom I love her. Oh, and, and John, you know, oh. so I, take- I, I mean, could you imagine that? Look, we all have kids. Tell my mom I love her was his last words. Oh, God. Well, you mm. know. And in the studio with us, we just got... Uh, uh, Governor Patterson. We're Governor Pataki. Governor Pataki, we were just... John was telling us the emotional story we about had a, Mother... We uh, Dr. Blue press conference today. Everybody that's anybody in... In New York and Suffolk County and in uh, Nassau County was there. And uh, to back the blue, and I was talking about this woman that lost her son. To gun violence. Uh, to gu- gun violence. And, and she cried when she went to the hospital worker. When she went to the morgue. And the hospital worker says before he passed, he said, he said, tell my mom I always love her. Oh man, it's just so tragic. You know, that's that's one incident, and there are so many that just uh, are taking place in the city. And you know, we have a lot of politicians here, and we're proud of the laws we pass. They don't mean a thing unless you have cops out on the street willing to enforce those laws. They risk their lives every minute of every day. You know, and the law is meaningless unless they're enforced. And uh, I can never. Give enough thanks to the brave men and women who wear the blue and put their lives on the line. And I'll tell you, for all the despicable criminal actions in this city, some of the assaults I've seen on police officers that have gone almost unpunished is inexcusable. And that has got to stop, too. And I I would add that 
you know, whenever you start hearing people just talk about crime statistics and they ignore the fact that every one of these, John, as you su- just suggest so eloquently and passionately, it's about a human story and the human story that's going to be destroyed because of a violent person. And when you start lumping people and statistics together and forget that there are human beings whose families are destroyed, the mothers are destroyed forever, there's no coming back from that. Those There's are the no people who don't, no do back. not belong in office. And I hope next Tuesday everybody who cares about their family, their friends, and their neighbors, and they want a safe city, safe New York, safe America, get and, out there and, and vote and kick these guys out. And what I said, the New York Post reporter interviewed me, and I said to him, we've got 8.5 million people in New York City here. Uh, we have people representing Nassau County and Suffolk County. That's another 4 million people. That's 12 and a half million people. For whom do the bells toll? Mm-hmm. For the 12 and a half million people that want a peaceful way of life or the 3,000 violent, repeat violent criminals, not one time, repeat violent <laughs> criminals in, in the streets of New York, who do you want to support? Who is Carl Hasty supporting? Well, let me say this to you. You just call Hasty. When do we throw him out and the left-wingers who have created this situation with this uh, uh, no bail, don't hold them, uh, not giving but judges But even the, the common ability. sense, the common sense Democrats, that, they, they, they don't have the courage to well, stop the... And don't forget the state senate. And the governor should have the courage to stand up if you're going to fight for the people and say, we've got to change these laws. We're the only state in the nation that takes away the discretion that judges have that they should to be able to hold something. Senator, back in June, John and I took nine races where the socialists ran against the incumbent. The incumbent won eight of the nine times. And my argument is the only time that the socialist candidates have won is when the incumbent didn't really live in their district anymore. No one had seen them in 10 years. And so it was really just a matter of uh, identifying yourself and you could beat them. But I but, don't know why anybody in the Democratic Party or anywhere else would be intimidated by this force. They've never won anything. Governor uh, but, Governor, uh, you're saying they defeated the socialists in the primary. Every one of those Democrats voted for the Nobel law. They, they already had voted for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they didn't run a risk of being uh, outflanked on the left on crime. They had already voted for all these ridiculous measures that turn criminals loose on the street over and over and over. It starts at the top. You know, I hear over and over, oh, Hoka will be different after the election. No. The people are crying for changes today. It would be the most popular thing she's done if she's not willing to say it today. I have grave doubts if she's going to say We're going to have to take a break, and we'll continue this conversation right after the break. Let's take that break. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, we are back, and I am getting uh, calls, texts from all over the country to say, I can't hang up the phone because this is the most exciting show I can ever listen to. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we got two governors here, a judge. A a uh, a first uh, son-in-law of a, a president and uh, a borough president, president and a U.S. senator. 
I mean, what else do you want? Lydia. Boring day here. At and Lydia and me. That's it. Me and Lydia, low, <laughs> me and Lydia, low, low totem pole. <laughs> well, you distribute free potato chips. You don't know what's going to happen. Right? Yeah, that was Marco. That was Marco. I'm trying to breach the potato chips. <laughs> oh, let's give him the barbecue ones right over here. Give him the barbecue. So, do you guys think it'll be a red tsunami on Tuesday? You think everybody's had it across the country, not just here in New York, but across I, the country? I think so. What do you I, think, Vito? So, Pisella? I think uh, for those, I think it's going to be a very big win. I think the governor indicated before that Tuesday's going to be a very big win for the Republicans. I think it's a question of how big. And for those interested, polls close throughout the country starting at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 6, 7 o'clock, 7, 30, 8, 9, 10, 11. And there are going to be some bellwether races in each of those when the polls close to dictate or determine how big of a win it's going to be. And how and many people have voted in Staten Island so far? Uh, I think the number was about 12,000, if I'm not mistaken. But don't quote me on that. What did you expect? Uh, it's actually a little better than it was uh, the last couple of years. So Republicans on Staten Island, for the first time since early voting has occurred a few years ago, Republicans outnumber uh, number of Democrats who have voted early, which to me bodes well for for uh, for Tuesday. You know, well, all I know is that uh, symbol. We're bad as hell. The same oh, thing has taken place in Nassau County, where right. Democrats traditionally in early balloting vote much more. We're running the even. That's and right. For us, that's a big. Victory. Now, close, and and what, what the difference is, so yes, the, I think the intensity is certainly on our side, which which is reason number one, and we have quality candidates. Uh, but also, the thing we have to keep an eye out for is the mail-in boat, uh, ballots from other states. You know, in Pennsylvania in 2020, Donald Trump did 66% on Election Day, and Democrats voted 77%. And mail-in ballots. So that's something we just have to keep an eye on uh, on Election Day. Well, close... Yeah. Cl- Oh, close your ears, uh, Governor Patterson. Question for everyone here. Why would anyone vote Democrat? <laughs> well, I'd vote for David Patterson, but he's not on the ballot. He's not on the ballot. They've been hijacked by the radical left. Early voting with uh, Republican turnout and Democrat turnout. normal. Let me just make a point. We need Democrats to vote the Republican line. Okay. You know, we're not going to we're not going to win You're just right. because Republicans come out in droves. We're going to win because Democrats know that their leaders are failing this state. So, if you're a Democrat out there, take a look. Is the, do you want four more years of this crime, job losses, mentally ill, homeless on the street, uh, or do you want to change things? And you want to pay now, twenty-three now, bucks? Right, got some bucks. We, got every, right we, we right stiffed this guy here. yesterday. We stiffed this <laughs> no, guy. He's a good we friend. We have a prominent. He's a good friend. A prominent lawyer uh, in in New York uh, and a good friend of Netanyahu's. Uh, tell us, Eric Levine. Tell us what's going on in Israel. All right. Well, they just finished their fifth election in three years, and for the first time in three years, they've elected a stable government. It looks like Bibi Netanyahu is back, and that he's going to have a, at least a sixty-four <laughs> seat, uh, a sixty-four seat coalition. He needs sixty-one. It could get larger if he uh, is able to bring in other parties. But for now, good news for the for Western civilization, because here's the man who's going to stand up to the Iranians when Joe Biden won't. Why did Brazil go so badly? Brazil. Well, it's a, a slightly different part of the world. And uh, Balacero, I think, was having some uh, ethical problems. And uh, you, you've seen Colombia ship left. You've seen Argentina shift left, and Brazil is shifting left. I mean, it's, uh, it's going to. We're going to have to bring back the Monroe Doctrine at some point. The United States is going to have to start looking at our own backyard and the 
and the role of Cuba, Russia, and China, and drug cartels. And we're going to have to start. Uh, we're going to have to start asserting ourselves in this part of the world if we want to. It's all part and parcel of the border problem as well. Not so much Brazil in particular, but South America. We're going to have to solve some now, of those problems. Now, more important. Since your office is across the street from ours, I'm not giving any addresses out. <laughs> uh, tell us, how do you feel? I mean, we, we have a, a full studio. We have two governors here, a senator, a borough president, a judge, a, a son-in-law of a, a president of the United States. How do you feel about what's going on in New York? Well, it's unbelievable. So. Last week, I took a subway ride home. So I walked from my office to the subway, smelling pot everywhere. I got into this. As I was getting into the subway, three people were jumping the subway uh, styles. I got out of the subway in my neighborhood. I walk, I walk across the street, and there are 10 cops arresting three kids, putting them in handcuffs. That was one subway ride. So you, you compound that, how many people ride the subways every day and see the exact same thing. The only miracle on that ride is I wasn't stepping over a homeless person, which I normally do on the way in. The arrest, uh, so it, there's no de- there's no doubt the the state is in a death spiral between the crime, taxes, outward migration, uh, problems where we can't we can't educate our children in our public schools. Uh, we really do need a change. So you're saying that if we don't make a change right now, this Tuesday, the de- the 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 uh, state is in a death spiral. That's my view. I think you're going to see a Let's huge, take a vote. In a the st- we got, uh, how do you feel about it, uh, Governor Pataki? Uh, we desperately need change in New York on Tuesday. Judge Weinberg? Absolutely. We need change in New York on Tuesday. Borough President uh, Vito? Uh, make that three Senate? in a row. Three in a row. Change. Three in a row. And uh, Senator D'Amato? We need this change desperately. We are in tremendous trouble. And the, and the ethics of this governor, by giving a... million contract and suspends bids, and we pay twice as much, over $300 million. No bids because she got $300,000 from this company, all right? And this company then hired her son to work on a campaign. I haven't heard a damn thing about this. So we got four people in a row, five people in a row. I, I hate to put Governor Patterson in a, in a oh, predicament. Don't, don't even worry about it. The streak is broken. Hoka wins. <laughs> God help us. Thank you. Thank well, you. And, and whatever the case is, as Governor Pataki said earlier, it's the issues that matter. Crime, economy, inflation, those things need to be fixed so ordinary people can live a full and healthy, safe life. Amen. Well stated, Mr. What Borough do we President. all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American way. God bless America. <laughs> Eric Levine, thank you so much for the update. Truth, justice, and the American way. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.